Loudspeaker Studios. Hello and welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast about the unexpected benefits of leading a zero-proof lifestyle. I'm your host, Adrian Vandervalk, co-founder of Rever Recovery Support, and not with me today is my other co-founder, Aaron Ranta, who, because of parenting and school responsibilities, is taking a well-deserved day off. Today, what I want to talk about is answers to questions that we get a lot from listeners and potential students who are thinking about joining the Reva Intensive Program, and we're opening our doors to that program next week. So since a lot of you may have the same questions that we get every day, I thought we'd just go through them one by one and share a little bit more about what that work entails and what to expect and our thinking behind the design of the curriculum and the experience. Before we dive into the frequently asked questions, there are three, I guess you would call them beliefs or principles that underpin our work. And if you've been listening, you've probably picked up on a lot of these, but I think it's worth going into a little bit of detail. One is we believe strongly that to understand addiction, we must understand the brain science of the reward system. The reason we think this is so important is that many of us, Aaron and myself included, when we were in the process of really coming to terms with our alcohol use disorder, we felt strongly that there was something wrong with us, that we were weak and just didn't have enough willpower to say no. And that weakness was what set us apart from other people. And the truth is that our brains are not defective. They're actually functioning exactly as designed. And when you pour a lot of toxic and addictive chemicals into the brain and rewire the brain's reward system, you create a situation where cravings become so powerful that we feel almost as if something terrible is going to happen if we don't succumb to them. It's interesting, I recently interviewed a doctor named Judd Brewer who wrote a wonderful book called The Craving Mind. And Judd Brewer told me that from a neuroscience perspective, there really is no such thing as willpower. The wiring in our brain is that strong. And when we drink, we're really suppressing the parts of our brain that engage in long-term planning and delayed gratification. So this is one of the first lessons that we learn in Reva is to help people understand their brains, understand how their brains came to be wired in such a way, the basics of the reward cycle and then also give them the knowledge and the tools to understand that they have the capacity to change their brains. Neuroplasticity is real, and we can use our knowledge of that to our advantage. So important to know there's nothing wrong with you. Willpower is kind of bullshit, and that doesn't mean we can't change our relationship to cravings and the hangover cycle. In fact, quite the opposite. The second principle and belief is that we talk a lot about chasing after pleasure and avoiding pain. And those two impulses really being the source and the root of much of human suffering. And this is an idea that lies really at the heart of Theravada Buddhism. We're not Buddhists or Buddhist teachers necessarily. This is not a Buddhist program. But we do think that this belief, which is also the fundamental belief that underpins mindfulness, 
is incredibly useful to people with substance use disorder. Because when you think about it, substance use disorder is all about running away from things that are unpleasant to us and running toward pleasure and relief, right? So if we can learn to reduce our attachment to outcomes, if we can learn to sit with our feelings rather than constantly trying to change or avoid them, that goes a long way toward being able to understand how, again, back to how the brain works, that we can learn coping mechanisms to manage and sit with our emotions rather than constantly trying to suppress them or numb them with drugs or alcohol. So talking about manifestation and changing our lives and setting goals, all really important things, all things we believe in, but we want to talk about those things outside of the context of attaching ourselves really strongly or aggressively to the outcomes. How can we align our lives to the things that we want without constantly striving and pushing and straining and struggling to get those things and being terribly disappointed if they don't happen? And that's what ends up making us dissatisfied with our lives 90% of the time when we could really learn to enjoy our lives so much more if we could find a way to be present in the moment. So that's why mindfulness is so, so critical to the program. And then the third principle or belief is that relationships are very much the key of recovery. We think it's absolutely critical to find a recovery community that works for you, whether it's ours or, or another one, and go all in, really commit to that community. Our cultural obsession with individualism is actually, I think, something that exacerbates the likelihood that we stay stuck in the hangover cycle. So when we acknowledge that we're all connected, that we need other people, and that we're better off when we're approaching our problems in a community, I think that goes a long way. That being said, we also teach a lot about boundaries and the primary relationship that we encourage our students to develop is their relationship with themselves. And the reason we feel this way is because so often women and non-binary people, which is primarily who we serve, are conditioned to put everyone else's needs first. And they've also been carrying around a lot of shame around their substance use disorder. So they may have a low opinion of themselves, which can make it very difficult to take steps toward depending on themselves, trusting themselves, caring for themselves. So we work really hard to anchor in that primary relationship with the self to learn self-compassion, to really connect to your own unique qualities, your divinity, who you truly, truly are, which in many cases people have not spent a lot of time thinking about. So that is the third principle and one of the most transformative. We also talk a lot about the intersections of substance use disorders and social justice. How does your identity influence your experience, either as someone with substance use disorder, someone who may have had a run-in with the police due to carrying drugs or being publicly intoxicated? How does the kind of drug that you might become addicted to or dependent on influence how society treats you? These are all questions that we think are relevant to all of us. Everyone who engages in this issue, I think is better off for really thinking about how their experience fits into the larger social context. So that's the overview. And now on to the questions. So the first question that people often ask us is, do you have to be sober already 
to join the intensive? And the answer is not super straightforward. In, in a blanket way, the answer is no. We've definitely had people join who were still actively drinking, but it's important to us to do a thorough assessment of what that looks like. So if someone is drinking daily and they're physically addicted to alcohol, Aaron and I are not doctors and we're not therapists and Reva is not a treatment program per se. So it would be really important in that case for that person to receive a medical detox with the support of a doctor and we could certainly help them find that, but it would be irresponsible of us to take them into the program in that case because detoxing from alcohol can have really severe side effects and, and can even be lethal. So that's one of the questions that we go into a lot of detail in in our initial conversations with people. You know, what does dependency look like? And if it's a physical dependency, how we're going to manage that prior to them coming into the program. We have people coming in who are already sober, who are not physically dependent, but still drinking here and there. And that's fine. What we want to make sure to screen for and talk about really honestly is that our intensive is for people who have decided that alcohol is no longer for them. They want to be free of the hangover cycle. They don't want to drink anymore. They're not looking to learn how to moderate. They're not looking to like reset their body in the hopes that they can go back to drinking and drink quote unquote normally. We just don't think that that's actually very realistic for most people. And if you ever listen to Jill Teets's wonderful podcast, Sober Powered, she offers a lot of scientific evidence for why once you cross the line between social drinking and problem drinking, it's almost impossible to cross back over in part because of the neural pathways that you created while you were drinking dependently. So that's just something to be aware of. We're not promoting moderation and also out of respect for the other students who are trying to quit completely. It's important that everyone is working not toward the exact same goals, but at least toward that one goal of trying to remove alcohol from their lives for good. So we work with many people at many different points on the substance use disorder spectrum, including people who have been sober for a while and just feel like they want more out of their sober life. They want support to get back in touch with their bodies. They want a daily meditation practice. They want to be eating better. They want support to build their confidence back up and have better boundaries with themselves, with the people in their lives. We even have a module in the curriculum about money. So sometimes people have really destroyed their finances. I'll raise my hand while, while drinking. And now that they're sober, they're like, okay, it's time for me to pay attention to this. So we help with that too. So that's just another thing to be aware of is that the program is very, very holistic. It's not just about not drinking or using. It's about physical health, mental health, improving your social life, improving your relationship with yourself, and we also talk about politics, as I mentioned before. What does substance use disorder mean in the larger scheme of American society? So think of it as kind of a full life 360 upgrade, which I think is really a cool and unique thing. Another question that we get is whether or not our program is trauma-informed. And I think to the degree that it is possible to be trauma-informed, because everyone experiences trauma differently, yes, we really make every effort to do that. 
And what that looks like within REVA is that we really put the student in the driver's seat and would never ask them to dig deep and, and reveal some really big secret or trauma that they were not prepared to, to talk about. We are, again, not therapists. So it wouldn't be appropriate for us to unpack everything that ever happened in someone's childhood or to psychoanalyze them. But we do want to give them space to really examine the blocks in their lives, where they think those things might come from. And then if it seems likely that a mental health issue or a traumatic experience is the source of that block, then we can look at, okay, well, who are the appropriate people to support them with that? And maybe getting into therapy is one of the decisions that they'll make as a result of participating in coaching. So coaching and therapy, not the same thing. And we're really strong in our boundaries about that. Being trauma-informed also looks like giving people a lot of options in yoga class. There are some yoga postures that might not be comfortable. For example, if you are someone who survived sexual abuse, and so you don't have to do those postures. You don't have to close your eyes while you're meditating, for example. If any of the breathing exercises that we do might induce um, a feeling of, you know, being panicky or sometimes a little bit smothered. We'll always let people know in advance that they can stop at any time. They have just a lot of control and a lot of transparency and forewarning about all of the activities that we do. And so it's just really an experience where they have agency. And so often in the case of folks who have experienced trauma, that trauma took their agency away. So that's really important to us. Another question is, what exactly is the program? What does it look like? What are the components? So you've heard me mention the curriculum, which I'm super proud of. This is something Erin and I worked very, very hard on. The curriculum includes eight different modules, and we encourage our students to go through those first eight modules within the first 10 weeks of the intensive program. The full program lasts nine months, but the first 10 weeks are when Folks get a lot of one-on-one support and when they're diving deep into the curriculum. So that's really where they're doing the most intense work. And then the remainder of the program is where they're learning to implement what they've learned in their day-to-day lives as they have more and more sobriety under their belts. The curriculum is very rad. We are actually doing a three-part coaching series next week, which I'll give you some more information on at the end of the episode, and you can also find in the show notes, uh, where we go into a little bit more depth about what is in the curriculum, and then there'll be a Q&A session at the end of that coaching series. So if you have any questions about the curriculum or anything else, you can ask and we will answer. Obviously, there is also coaching. And like I mentioned, during the first 10 weeks, the coaching is uh, one-to-one and group coaching. We have three different group coaching options a week. And then also throughout the whole session, five days of movement classes a week. And these are not like core power, kick your butt, whip you into shape classes. They're yoga and Pilates classes that are very much designed to focus on breath, focus on mindful movement, and focus on reconnecting with the body. I know that when I got sober, I really felt like my body was kind of the scene of the crime, and I felt very shameful about the way that I had treated myself, and it caused me to feel disconnected from my body. And yoga was a big help in overcoming that. So that's really where we want people moving and feeling what it 
feels like to be alive and breathing and connected to themselves. That's really the, the point of those, of those classes. And back to the group coaching for a second. Meditation coaching is a big part of that. We want all of our, our students meditating daily if possible. It's a huge, huge part of the program. Recovery coaching is the second class of the week. And then the third class is a rotating cast of amazing guest coaches who talk about everything from nutrition to building confidence to inner child healing. One of our coaches teaches EFT, emotional freedom technique. So it's a pretty amazing lineup and a nice way to inject some just diversity of opinions and modalities into the program. And then finally, community is really essential. We really think that that connection and being able to grow together and reflect together on what we're experiencing is so, so critical. And so we do really emphasize community at Reva. As a nonprofit, everything we do at Loudspeaker could not be possible without the generous support of our listeners. Become part of the Loudspeaker family and pledge your support now at loudspeaker.org. Another question we get is, how can I fit this into my busy, busy life? Most of our students are high achieving women and non-binary people. They have professional jobs, they're parents, they're busy, sometimes they're in school. So it's important to know that the curriculum, like I said, is online, it's self-paced, and you have access to it forever. So we did that because often... If you're deep into your sobriety, you know, months or years, the topics that we cover in the curriculum are going to feel different. They're going to resonate different and apply differently in your life. So we want people to have the opportunity to go back and review those lessons again and again. So the curriculum is really what we hope people think of as almost like a reference library that they can remind themselves and refresh these ideas and see them in a new way as they move through their sobriety journey. We also record all of our sessions, including the movement classes. So if someone cannot attend live, they can access them on video. And then the one-to-one -one sessions are, of course, set up at a time that's convenient for you. So you don't have to worry about trying to fit that in. We will fit that into your schedule. And then the big question that everyone asks is, can I afford it? And the breakdown of the charges for the intensive are actually a bit complicated because there are a few different options and different payment plans. So I'm not going to try to do that verbally right now, but I will say that if you attend the coaching sessions next week during the Q&A, we are going to break down the costs you know, with a slide that everyone can reference. And then at that time, we'll also be uploading that material to our website so everyone can access that and find out whether or not this is something that can fit into their budget. We've made every effort to make this program as affordable as possible. And in fact, when we added up what the full value of the program was, like if you added up all the classes and the curriculum and the coaching and everything, the total came out to something like almost $50,000. And I will tell you that the actual cost is a, a tiny fraction of that. So it's definitely something that is within reach if you want it, if you're ready to make this a priority, if you think this is kind of a before and after moment in your life and you're ready for the after. Yes, it is an investment, but it's an investment that will improve your health, your relationships, your finances, potentially even your work life. It has the power to really 
up-level you in so many different areas and completely change the course of your life. So that is literally priceless. And I think that the students currently enrolled would definitely agree. All right, so those are the big questions. If you have any other questions, like I said, you can always reach out to us, or I really encourage you to attend the coaching sessions next week when we'll go into a lot more detail and really open up some of those lessons that I mentioned and dive into questions about like why willpower doesn't work, what is the neuroscience behind the reward system, and how can I use that to my advantage, for example. So you can find the link to that series in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. It's completely free of charge, and it's going to be awesome. If you've been listening for a while, you know that in every episode, we bring you a big sober energy tip that you can use to enhance your sobriety and your life. Today's big sober energy tip is to get in the practice of using visualization as a tool for bringing yourself energetically into the world that you want to live in, which I realize sounds a little bit out there, but I think it's a really effective tool. It's something that we talk about with our students a lot. And I'm actually going to combine this with the meditation portion for this episode, because rather than talk about it, I think it's much easier to experience it. So in this particular visualization exercise, I'm going to ask you to visualize a place where you feel very comfortable and where you don't feel judged by anyone around you. So it could be a family member's home, or it could be a place in nature, or it could be a classroom. It could really be anywhere. It doesn't have to be indoors or outdoors or somewhere where there are people or not people. Just anywhere where you feel totally free and at ease and like no one is judging you so you just can be yourself. This is the place I want you to hold in your mind's eye while we're meditating today and remind yourself that If you practice visualizing this place and what it feels like to be there, then you can bring that feeling with you into other life circumstances. And this is an enormously helpful tool for just tapping into your capacity for feeling free, for feeling at ease, even in situations where that might not always be the case. For this visualization exercise, Find a meditation posture that feels comfortable for you, preferably sitting, and invite some length into your spine. You don't have to be overly rigid or tense. Simply try to cultivate a sense of alertness, but also of ease. Ground down into your seat through your sit bones, and if your feet are Resting on the floor, feel that connection between the bottoms of your feet and the earth. Tuck your chin just slightly, let the crown of your head drift up toward the sky, creating a sense of light, openness, and ease in the upper body, groundedness and security in the lower body. Bring your attention to your breath. You don't have to try to alter your inhales or your exhales in any way. Just notice the breath you brought to this meditation today. 
As you breathe, focus on the rise and fall of your chest and the movement of air in and out of the tip of your nose. If you notice thoughts start to drift into your mind, again, you don't have to try to change them or judge them or aggressively reject them. Notice that they are there, almost as if you're seeing them from across a room. And then imagine that that room is growing longer and longer and longer. And the thoughts are moving farther and farther and farther away from you until eventually you can't see them anymore. And now it's just you in the room inside your mind. And you can begin to visualize that room transforming into a place where you feel supremely at ease. This is a place where you can be yourself, where no one judges you. You feel relaxed. shoulders are soft all the tension just drains away from your body when you're here if this place is inside notice the furniture what the walls look like maybe even glance up at the ceiling If there are other people there, notice who is around you. If you're outside, pay attention to the ground that you're sitting on, the sky up above you. Notice the trees, plants, animals, anything else might be in your environment. Now that you're fully immersed in this visualization, bring your attention to the space between your eyebrows, your third eye chakra. And as you breathe, imagine a wheel of indigo light circling in front of your forehead, growing a little brighter as you breathe in and circling a little faster as you breathe out. 
Imagine that you're breathing through this third eye chakra. And with every breath, your vision for this place of tranquility and freedom becomes brighter, more detailed. Allow yourself to really feel what it's like to be there. How does your body feel? What emotions are you experiencing? Let those be real for you. Allow the experience of being in this place to cloak you with warm, loving energy and to anchor not only in your vision, but also in your heart. Continuing to breathe in and out. And now that you've spent some time immersing yourself in the energy of this beautiful place, ask yourself, what do I need to take this feeling with me into the rest of my life? And notice the first words that come up. Maybe they're not even words. They might be images or colors or feelings. Whatever it is, you don't have to question it. Remember it with some curiosity. What do I need to take this feeling with me into the rest of my life? And just sit silently with that question for a few breaths. Once again, anchoring in this new knowledge that you cultivated with your practice, allowing it to sink in. Maybe even imagine that someone has taken a highlighter and drawn an outline of beautiful, warm, golden, energetic light all around your body, sealing in this feeling 
of deep satisfaction and well-being. Now bringing your attention back to your third eye chakra. Begin to draw the breath once again through your nose, allowing the chakra to relax just a little, knowing that it is there for you, knowing that your intuition can be your guide. Thanking yourself for taking a moment and anchoring in the joy of being your unencumbered self. And now with the next few inhales and exhales, you can begin to rub your hands either on your legs or on the seat next to you just to wake them back up. Bring yourself back into the room. I hope that visualization exercise felt really delicious for you and helped you tap into the power of what it feels like to transport yourself into a place where you feel safe, happy, and loved. I think it's such a great practice and one that we can really use to help ourselves in a lot of different situations. So I hope you enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed being with you here during this episode. It's always such a privilege to get to tell other people about what we do and why we do it. So thank you so much for spending your time with us today. If getting sober is something you've struggled with or you're already sober and you want some additional support, we would love to hear from you and we'd love to have you at the coaching sessions that start next Tuesday. The information is all in the show notes and of course you can reach out to us at reverrecovery.com or on Instagram at reverrecovery and we'd be more than happy to get you enrolled in that free coaching program so you can learn a lot about how to kickstart your own recovery and ask questions about the program and what we do. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it so much if you gave it a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find it on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.